Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Campionato di calcio italiano Hello everybody and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I am your host, Connor Clancy, and this is the first podcast of the year. So before we dive into it, Happy New Year, everybody. I hope if you celebrate it, you had a good Christmas as well. And someone who I know didn't have a very good Christmas is Kev Pogzelski. Kev, you're going to have to change roles this week. We're going to need you to be a little bit more upbeat than usual. Is that all right? Uh, I'll try. I've had a, a couple of weeks off, so maybe I will be. Can you? I'm not sure you've got it in you. You've never had to play this role before, and I'm not too confident that you'll be able to carry it out, but we'll see. The reason for that is because, unfortunately, Mr. Vito Doria cannot be with us this week. Vito, we all hope you're doing okay, and in his place, we have a very happy, I'm sure, Alistair McKenzie, who's already hanging his head. Alistair, it's nice to have you on the pod proper for what I believe is the first time. How are you? Thank you. Yes, um, I think it probably is actually. Yeah. Um, well, for, I think probably first time in about five years, I'd say. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm doing all right. Thanks, Connor. Uh, as you've alluded to, um, Lazio lost earlier. So in that regard, my mood has been. No, they didn't even lose. They drew. God, that's a bad start, isn't it? Uh, it felt like a defeat. So that that's tempered my mood a little bit. But I'm going to try and be upbeat. Don't worry. Not don't want to put too much it's pressure a- on Kev. It took you less than 90 seconds of the podcast to, to get in Lazio losing. I mean, I tried not to go there. You could have gone down the having to spend Christmas. <laughs> they didn't Christmas lose. Season. They drew. It took me about that length of time to get my first factual inaccuracy into the pot. <laughs> right. But Alistair, who were they playing? Uh, well, they were playing Genoa. <laughs> exactly. So um, a draw against Genoa is very much a loss for everybody that's not Parma, probably at this point. But look, we'll get to them. Uh, we promise. We're going to start as we tend to at the top. They're still top, despite having to play for over an hour with 10 men, thanks to um, some poor discipline, you could say, from Sandro Tonali. Milan went away to Benevento and they won 2-0, I believe. Have I got? Have I missed a goal? I think I might have missed a goal. It was 2-1, 2-0. I've completely lost the run of myself there. Um, but it shouldn't have been, Alistair. We'll start with you. Milan... It sounds almost silly to say, but this is one of the biggest tests they've come through. They've, they've come from behind a few times in recent weeks, but to play out a game with 10 men and to defend as they did and still score at the other end shows that they are title contenders. Yes, um, I think 
people who are kind of trying to write them off, including Stefano Pioli himself, it has to be said, is kind of, he was struggling to still go down the party line of, you know, Juventus, Inter and Napoli are, are the title favourites. He tried to say that again after the game. I don't think anyone's really buying it anymore because we've just seen them, we've seen a different kind of side to this team, I think, in the, in the last few weeks and different challenges they've faced. Obviously, like they got pegged back 2-0 up against Lazio in the last game, back to 2-2, and then still managed to find a way to win it right at the death. They had that couple of tricky games where they drew 2-0 with teams they were expected to beat. And now, yeah, this time, with what I think it was 30 minutes or so when Tonali got sent off, so to you know to 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 go on and and win that game, but what impressed me even more was not just to win the game but to keep a clean sheet. I mean that's seriously impressive. I think it, it it's a bit cheesy and a bit cliched to say, but it is exactly the kind of game that does make them title contenders, whether Pioli likes it or What's not. What's the difference? Because uh, look, Vito and Kev and I have discussed this to death. But what exactly, other than Ibrahimovic, has changed in this Milan team and? How much of it do you put down to Pioli? Because, I mean, this isn't exactly in keeping with what we know him as being as a Serie A coach. Um, no. Uh, I and, and that's one of the main reasons I, I've kind of been quite sceptical about this Milan team all the way through, is that I've always thought Pioli's a, a coach who can get some very good football out of clubs, but a lot of the clubs he's been at have been through these kind of golden periods where they've looked unstoppable and then they've got unstuck and he's not been able to find the answer. I keep waiting for that moment to happen with this Milan team, but it's it's just not coming. I think what he's done brilliantly is just um, restored the kind of self-belief of a ton of these players. I think obviously Ibrahimovic coming in helped that. But even players like Simon Kier, he was back in the team today. I think their defensive record, I don't have it on me right now, but when he's in the team their defensive record is is amazing and I'm sure as as you'll know it's not exactly what we expected of him from when we saw him at Atalanta for example and I think he's just managed to find a way of I guess kind of whispering in the ear of these players the right messages to to get the best out of them the likes of Frank Kessier, Hakanchel and Oglu were you know almost a laughing stock at points previously in their Milan careers and now are considered two of the best midfielders in the league um, and it, it's really, once you've got a team playing at this level, the, the trick is, I suppose, to, to keep them riding that, that wave um, of, of momentum, and they've had, you know, so many opportunities recently, like I alluded to, to, to kind of knock them off that wave and take them down a notch, but they managed to survive, and I guess now it's it's just really exciting now thinking about this game on Wednesday against Juventus, isn't it? I mean that that looks massive, uh, especially after Juve, uh, you know, lost six points in one day. That's <laughs> that's looking like a really important day in in the title race. Really. No, you're right. And Kev, Alistair touched on the Juve game coming up. Can Milan keep riding this wave through that fixture because they played and obviously mounted that remarkable comeback against Juve at the back end of last season. Um, it's a fixture that teams, when they're contending for the title, they always contend until they play against Juve, and then that's when it falls apart. But is this going to be different this week? I, I think they can. I think they can continue to ride the wave. I like Alistair being kind of waiting for this blip for Milan, and maybe this is their blip. You know, they've drawn a couple of games. They came through against Lazio, and they they had a you know, and that's as bad as it's going to get. I think. If they were to lose against Juventus on Wednesday, in in well, dare I say normal circumstances, if if Juve would be right up behind them, it could sort of hit. They could hit the buffers if you like after that. But you'd you'd like to think that the players will look at it and think we've got ten points already. I know there's a you know a game in hand to be played, but it's not as if they're overtaking them. As opposed to if they were facing Inter midweek, and Inter went ahead of them. And then, you know, and it's a youngish squad. Ibrahimovic isn't back yet. So I, I wouldn't be too concerned if they lost against Juve, but I don't actually see them losing against Juve because as well as Juve played tonight, they've been terribly inconsistent. And that's the one thing that Milan have had, you know, consistency, you know, with keeping it tight at the back, being getting, getting themselves through these periods when they've looked a little bit shaky. And you think, you know, is that first defeat uh, coming? So 
I, I wouldn't be that concerned if I was a, a Milan fan going into Wednesday. Kev, I was asked a question on Twitter today and I, I found myself having to think about it before I answered it and I almost didn't want to answer it because I was afraid of what might happen. But I spoke about how Milan are going to win the Scudetto and someone asked me, are they actually playing well? And I wanted to say yes, but I mean, they went 2-0 down to Parma. They were losing to Genoa. They blew a two-goal lead against Lazio. And I mean, right, they defended for their lives with 10 men today, so we'll give them that. But are Milan actually playing well? Uh, they're undefeated. They're top. Juve um, were undefeated until a week ago. It, it's, a, it's an interesting it is an interesting one I don't think anybody's blowing the rest of the competition away this season the thing we've got with Milan is it's a bit like the players that have come in over the last few years Milan have been dreadful for so long that everybody that comes in has got that, bright, that great white hope and, and, and then when they don't they don't um, sort of set the world alight as soon as they come in suddenly they're the worst thing in the world Milan have been so dreadful in the last few years that maybe that makes us think that they're great. And actually, they're probably just doing an all right job, keeping themselves top of the league, you know, because there are sides in touching distance. But we're, we're used to seeing this sort of dreadful Milan of the last few years that it goes and implodes or maybe doesn't even get to this position and then implode, that we're sort of comparing it with that as opposed to comparing it with everybody else in the league this season. And you've got to say they... Points per game, points for whatever. You know they are the best performing side. It's if you get into you get into discussions about entertaining. You know, it's a swallow. It's a swallow. Look at how they play. You know, Atalanta the last couple of years. It's you know it's the whole juggle between entertaining and actually what do you want from your side. I've not really answered your question, Connor. So yeah. uh, no, you you have and you haven't. But I mean that's what I've come to expect, and I'm guilty of it myself, so I won't hold you to account for it. But I, I want to talk about Sandro Tonali please, Alistair, because this is a guy who everybody knew of him before anyone had actually seen him play. And he's obviously a very, very talented player, right? But there, it's no secret that he's having his difficulties settling in at Milan, which you might expect, having only played for Brescia beforehand, and now he's playing for a team at the top of the table. But do you reckon... This isn't anything about his ability, but he might be regretting choosing to join Milan in the summer. Um, I wouldn't say that, but I would say his his timing has perhaps been a bit unfortunate in that I think he would have probably expected it to come easier to him to break into that midfield. Um, it, it just so happens, really, that... I mean, Benasser and, and Kessier had already obviously established a good relationship, but that that relationship in the centre midfield is now so strong that it, it would be very hard for Pioli to, to look past them when they're both available. And then it becomes really a case of trying to kind of take your chances when they come. And I think in that position, it's it's difficult to do that, isn't it? Because you're you're more in the engine room, kind of running things rather than producing individual moments of magic where you're lighting up a game where you've got people kind of buzzing about you on social media or singing your praises. You kind of need a longer spell on the pitch in order to do that, I think. And also, I think a problem he's faced is that it's not just that he struggled more than perhaps what people expected, but it's also that that contrasts quite a lot with the rest of these players mm. I already mentioned because that's kind of the story of this Milan team so far has been that Pioli's getting Kessier, getting Chalinoglu, getting Rebic, Leao. These guys who were previously underperforming, he's getting much better out of them. Whereas Tonali's story is kind of the opposite where he came in with a bit, big reputation and is maybe underperforming. But I always say with any any signing that they deserve at least a second season when you're especially at that age. And like you say, he's only been in Serie B and then one season with Brescia. I think uh, we we have to be patient. Do you think he's almost a victim of social media, I guess, to an extent? Because, because he played for Brescia, and let's be honest, not a lot of people watch a lot of Serie B. So people's images of him would have been just from 
highlights compilations and the fact that he looks a little bit like Andrea Pirlo. He got those comparisons from when he was about 16. And with the likes of so Bernardeschi and Chiesa, when they were coming through at Fiorentina, they had a lot of people who loved them and thought they were the best thing that Italy has ever produced, which Tonali also had. But because he was at Brescia, there wasn't so much of a of an opposing argument. There weren't people, like with Fiorentina fans, for example, there weren't the Juve fans saying, no, that player is not very good. Like a player coming through at Inter has Milan fans saying, no, that player is not very good. The fact that Tonali came through at Brescia and all of the things said about him were just positives unless you follow, I don't know, Atalanta Facebook pages, that people's expectations were a little bit inflated and Alistair was it always just impossible for him to live up to the expectations put on him were these Atalanta Facebook pages <laughs> that you were running from? I don't run any Atalanta Facebook pages <laughs> um yeah, no, yeah, I, I guess I know what you mean. I mean, it's, I suppose when you're you're branded as being this golden boy or this this great hope of of the national team in the future, and and the way he was being talked about, you're right, it was almost like he was a certainty before before he got there. And yeah, we do have examples of you know why players need time, why they need to make the right moves at the right time. Bernadeschi's a good example. I also think you know Donnarumma is a good example because that that's a player who. Obviously, he came into the Milan team so early, but I it's only really this season or in the, the last year that I've finally been completely convinced by him. I, I think he, he had a lot of faults in his game throughout a lot of those early years, but kind of grew and developed and so on. That's that's what young players need. I think that he Tonali, if you look at his last three seasons, for example, he's had to deal with a lot of <laughs> a lot of changes because in Serie B with Brescia, you know, they won the league that year, I believe, playing good attacking football. He's at the centre of that. They're playing teams they're better than every week. He's getting a lot of time on the ball. He's against worse opposition, so he's he's not being tested as much. Then when they get promoted to Serie A, suddenly they can't play that way anymore, no matter how hard they tried for times. So he's not getting that time on the ball. His team are inferior to all the opposition he's playing. And now all of a sudden he's he's able to play on the front foot with a new team, but you know he's the, the pressure on him is is amplified so much compared to what he was used to before. So it's a hell of a lot of change in three years, not only in terms of uh, the pressure and, and so on, but in terms of actually the role he's playing on the pitch. I think you call him a you call him a victim, Connor. Do you think he do you think he cares? Do you, you know do you think he cares? I I, I think that this is an ideal. An ideal situation, really, for a young player coming into. I know yeah, he hasn't really had to change, you know, the part of it, Italy that he's living in. He's not coming from overseas, but you think about a couple of years ago, you throw him into that Milan side, and he's probably getting more game time because they're playing so dreadfully. And then, and that's where a player can completely just lose it. The fans lose all hope in him. The club loses all hope, and then he gets, you know, he gets sent off somewhere else. Alistair raised uh, Bernadeschi, where he's probably had the. The, the different scenario where Juve had been winning, same as we are, we are now, but he has he actually hasn't performed over time. You know, you kind of give them that first year because the the success of the side isn't dependent on the player that's just come in. And I, I think it's perfect for him if he's not having to sort of come in and control that, that midfield, you know, obviously probably the most important part of the pitch. And he could ingratiate himself into the into the side over the next season or two. I, I think there's definitely a point there that it, it's it's absolutely a good thing that he's not having the weight of Milan put on his shoulders. But I think in an ideal situation, he might be playing just a little bit more. I think maybe a good example of that is Bentancur at Juve. He came in and he was he played more than anyone really noticed that he was playing. And I fell into the trap a number of times of saying Bentancur rarely plays. And then you check his minutes and... He's played as much as five other players in the Juve team who are key players. and I don't know. I think there, there could be a little bit more middle ground, but let's hope Tonali does progress as we all want him to. Um, a coach who probably isn't going to progress players as much as he should is Antonio Conte. Inter are still second in Serie A. They, they beat Crotone 6-2, but, I mean, it was a bit of a shock because it wasn't a 6-2 game. And Kev, 
you're in agreement with me on this, I know already. So can you please explain why Lautaro Martinez scored three and a half goals, but Romelu Lukaku was by a mile the best player on the pitch. Yeah, he, he was, and it's been really difficult trying to work out player of the week and team of the week because I'm doing it in Vito's absence. Um, uh, yeah, he was he was unstoppable at times. It's really hard to 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 not go down the usual route of the power and the pace and everything else. You know, all those those obvious attributes that Lukaku's got. But if people weren't bouncing off him, then they were just kicking him to the floor. Um, but it was it was it was the role he. I can't remember what somebody called it on something else I was listening to, but there should be there should be some statistic in football of that pass before the assist mm. or that crucial part that you play in it. The pre-assist, isn't it? That, yeah, kind of the kind of the pre-assist. Um, but yeah, I think they both go in the team of the week this week because actually I was quite impressed by by both of them. They were dovetailing lovely, um, but again, like you say, it, it probably wasn't a six-two game, and if uh, Messias hadn't missed. A great mm. chance to put Crotone 2 0 up. I keep on what every I probably watched Crotone in full a handful <laughs> of times this year, and I cannot work out why they had so few points until a couple of weeks ago. Um, because they play some lovely stuff, and it's been a, a breath of fresh air. They've kind of done the opposite thing to Spezia because Spezia were playing good stuff and getting noticed for it early on. Then they've dropped off, and Crotone, who had been playing quite well all along, are now getting some. Some more notable results, I'm hesitant to say, but better performances for sure, and people are kind of noticing them that little bit more. But, ah, oh, Alistair, right, Lukaku. I, I saw a, a little comparison that somebody made on Twitter today, and I got very excited about it. Um, he's the new Adriano. <laughs> yeah, that's a tempting one, actually. I quite like that. I mean, there was there was certainly something very Adriano-esque yeah. about his goal, wasn't there? It was basically like he looked like he was operating in a completely different dimension to whoever was supposed to... Like he didn't even <laughs> notice the defender was there and just brushed him <laughs> out of the way. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll right, accept I was that. expecting a bit more fight back on that <laughs> one, to be honest, but... I have it. I like even after the the excellent physicality that we're we all know he's capable of. He he sat Cordaz down as well. There was the little feint of a shot, and Cordaz went, and then he just slotted it in, which was delightful to see. Alistair, I'm going to stick with you, but Arturo Vidal, what's the point? <laughs> right, because I've experience. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, but Kolarov is also there for experience and I don't know who else, but they're all there for experience. But really, what... Arturo Vidal, I just don't understand. I really don't. Because what is his experience of? Just losing his head every five minutes. Well, it's... Uh, he's he's the classic Conte player, isn't he? I mean, it's the, the classic kind of... Um, What's the word? Enigma. Who, where kind of nobody seems to really understand it apart from Conte himself. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it did keep things interesting. You know, I, I, I actually tweeted in the first half that uh, I was really impressed with how they'd responded to going a goal down because it was all very calm. You know, they didn't lose their heads and kind of got themselves back in front fairly quickly. And then within about a minute of sending that tweet, Vidal goes and stands on someone's foot <laughs> inside the box and. You know, the guy's obviously a loose cannon. I don't know if you saw the um, video of Conte mm. screaming at him as as the Crotone penalty is about to get taken, which I don't think we can probably use that language on this on this family friendly podcast. But that was quite <laughs> amusing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just classic, isn't it? I mean, it keeps things interesting because you've got um, you've got a very good side there. I still still make them my favourites to win Serie A this year, but then you've also still got the absolute kind of um, wild cards running around left, right and centre, like Matteo Darmian and yeah, <laughs> Arturo Vidal. And, yeah, these these guys were... I mean, Darmian's been good yeah. to his credit, but, you know, players who you wouldn't necessarily expect to be in this uh, in this team. And then, you know, if, if there's any truth in the likes of Gervinho or Graziano or what's his name? Yeah. Pele, um joining in. Uh, that would make things even more um, 
unpredictable and Conte like in my oh, mind. Gervinho at, at Inter. I just, <laughs> I really, really want it to happen for for a lot of reasons. I mean, the big reason being for the laughs, obviously, and then the the second reason because it would mean I wouldn't have to watch him at Parma every week because. I've never been so infuriated by a player playing for a team I don't support than I am with Gervinho. But, right, we'll move on from, from Inter because I realise we spent quite a long time speaking about Milan, which is probably a good thing because we can't be accused of any of the usual bias. We've got Roma in third, which I'm surprised every time I look at the table and see Roma as high up as they are because I haven't ever really been impressed with them all that often. Alistair, you are obviously based in Rome. You see Roma more than most people do, despite your allegiances to Lazio. But what's happening there this season? Are they just benefiting from everyone else being a little bit off the pace? Or are they actually a decent side now? Yeah, they've, they've quietly been putting together a pretty decent season. Um, I, I think the reason that I say quietly is because they're their biggest weakness so far has really come in the big games. And I guess the big games are where people would pay more attention to them. Um, and they've been struggling to get the results they need when it comes to to those kind of matches against direct rivals, I guess. But they have been making pretty short work of, of teams lower down the table on the whole. Um, today, as anyone who saw that game will have seen, the weather here was absolutely atrocious. So I think the the quality of that game seemed to be pretty bad, but they still managed to, to find a way uh, with Jekyll. You know, it, it's a very experienced uh, front three, obviously, they've got with Jekyll, Mkhitaryan and, and Pedro, well, who's been more in and out of the team recently. But Fonseca's benefited, I would say, from, uh, from the closed-door stadiums because it's everyone knows that job is one of the most high-pressure jobs in Italian football, if not the most. And without that pressure being intensified, I think it's it's perhaps even helped that team at times this season just because they've been able to kind of get their heads down and focus on their business rather than getting carried away. There have already been moments this season where Fonseca's again been, you know, coming under a lot of criticism and a lot of pressure. Um, but I think he's done a good job since he came in the last two seasons, to be honest. And, you, you know, like you say, he's got them up in third uh, without a lot of people necessarily uh, paying attention to them. But I think they'll be more than happy with that, to be honest, because um, getting back in the Champions League is, is massive for them. Absolutely massive. They almost have to do it this season, to be honest, if you if you look at the financial situation they're in. So, um, yeah, I think they're, they're definitely making themselves contend. Well, that kind of brings me on to, you were talking about what Fonseca's done, the pressure he's under there. And the, the closed stadiums thing. I've got a kind of a two-part question, which is the first, what are the actual criticisms of him because they're third? And secondly, what is what are the realistic expectations that, that Roma fans have? <laughs> You'll have to ask one. The, the, um, I mean, they can't uh, <laughs> be expecting the challenge for the title. No, but the the Champions League will def- is certainly an expect an expectation, and, and and being out of that competition for two years is is not what what the, they they've come to expect, especially having been in the semi finals the season before that. Um, and I think you know I I, th- I believe they've got the the fourth biggest budget in the league. So you know if you're talking about things purely financially, they should be competing for a top four spot. Um, with Fonseca, you know, he's he's tried a few different things. Some of his decisions at times have seen, seemed a bit confusing. Players like Antonio Mirante and Bruno Perez, even at times, you know, uh, Juan Jesus, have been getting on the pitch this season who a lot of people might not even understand why, why they're still at the club. Um, Rick Karsdorp was one of those players. He's now managed to emerge as actually a useful player for Roma and has provided the assist today and has managed to nail down that wing-back spot having looked like his time was up. Um, he's he's changed the formation around, you know, originally a 4-2-3-1, now he's playing in this kind of 3-4-2-1 formation this season, which which seems to be getting it best out of the players he's got. But it has gone in, um, uh, you know, 
it, there have been ups and downs, I would say, because when they go out of form, they tend to go out of form relatively spectacularly, or at least for for several games in a row. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about criticism coming his way right now. Mm. While while they're up at that that end of the table, I mean, when if if Roma fail to win for two or three games, it becomes a crisis very very quickly. Right. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Look, we're going to get to Lazio in a moment, but before we we get there, Kev Atalanta. I mean, probably delivered their best performance of the season, certainly in Serie A so far. Sassuolo came up to Bergamo, where Atalanta have been a bit hit and miss for the best part of a year now, you could say. And I mean, Atalanta beat them 5-1. This isn't a result that I could have seen coming, despite their good record against Sassuolo of late. It was a big positive, especially without, still, Papu Gomez. Yeah, I want to try and add how bad Sassuolo were (laughs) when they were defending. Um, It kind of felt felt like that perfect storm of one coming up against the other. Um, Duvan Zapata was was probably as as influential as Lukaku was um, for Inter. He seemed to have a hand in everything. To be tormenting the swallowed, so maybe that was it. The swallowed defenders didn't want to be there after the, you know, the start of the game because they seemed to be running around chasing players that weren't there at times, and um, it, it was it, it was one of those that I looked at. I looked at the games because we had this sort of lovely day of ten games in on one day, and I thought you're going to watch that. So <laughs> <laughs> let's let's settle down to Cagliari Napoli. Uh, and then all right all right i take the hint i take the hint um we'll come to you for that one in a moment then but yeah i think you are right sassuolo's defense didn't help things and it rarely does help them but i think a large part of that is the fact that they insist on playing vlad kirikesh who's just dreadful i mean i i don't understand what he's bringing Unless the Zerbi is thinking along the Conte lines. The goals. He's bringing <laughs> right. the goals. Bro. Well, he is, but most of them are coming at the, the wrong end, unfortunately. Alistair, I remember watching that game. Well, I say watch. I watched the second half because the first half was lost in the fog when Sassuolo played Torino about two months, three months ago now. And Kirakesh scored a belter from like 30 yards. We just rifled it into the top corner. And everybody in the press box had to ask the person beside them, was that Kirakesh? <laughs> Everybody's, oh my God, what is, where has that come from? Because I think a couple of minutes before, he gifted Torino a goal, or it was something. And obviously we've seen him at his best, and by best I mean very worst, against Inter this season, where he lost them the game inside 15 minutes and then went off. And yeah, he, was, he wasn't very good again but, today. But, the the fact that he scored their consolation goal is there's this whole thing about any any <laughs> any league any 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 competition you play in where you think you you kind of get a couple ahead and you you take a little bit of mercy on the other team or the other team kind of sits back deeper and just kind of tries to save face. Not Sassuolo, are they they just they just said oh we're you know we're free down let's just just put a really high line there <laughs> oh Atalanta's going to just run through us so we'll just let him run all the way to our our um our penalty area and then just have a sort of toss a leg out when he has a shot. So then that loops over our goalkeeper and comes off the bar. It's just, they just don't care. And it's lovely. No, they don't. Can I just say though, the, um, uh, there have been a lot of really good goals actually today, but the, the Pessina goal with the Ilicic assist has to be probably, Maybe after Zielinski, my favourite goal. Oh no, actually, Zakanya was the best to say. But that Ilicic flick was just great. It's, it's really nice. I know you'll have already mentioned this, but I, I just really like seeing him back because he's just the kind of player who will try stuff like that, which so few players seem to, to bother doing. Yeah, you're really. right. And because he's got that very strange frame, very very unusual build, and the fact that he's just left-footed as well, which always elevates the the aesthetically pleasing side of things it, it is a, it is a joy when he's at it but he was very frustrating in the first half because he was doing his usual thing when it's not quite going to plan he just takes a lot of shots and he was doing that for much of the first half getting into really good positions and instead of passing he was shooting uh, but then as soon as he started passing the goals came a little bit more freely but on, on the topic of assists Remo Freuler as well got a backheeled assist. And I can't remember now for which goal. I think it was one of Duvan's, but 
it was a back heel, little flick, and it went through Kirikash's legs as well, which saying the defender's name probably hasn't helped my case as putting that forward as the best assist of the week, even over Ilicic's, but yeah. Wait, he's got legs? <laughs> he does, and surprisingly enough, more than one of them based on his performances, but yeah, um, it must be something with that. Sorry, that, that, that was mean. I'm sorry, Vlad. I don't, I don't mean think it. he's listening. I think you're probably all right. But it must be something in that Atalanta captain's armband because Papu's magic appears to have rubbed off on Rema Froiler, who picked up two assists today, which was quite nice. But on to the next one then. Kev, you watched Cagliari Napoli. I didn't, but I saw some of the goals. And I mean, Alistair was talking about good goals. Piotr Zielinski got one, if not two, nice ones in this. Yeah, it was a great strike for the for the first. And actually, when um, they equalised uh, Calgary, it was completely against the run of play. I think Napoli were well worth their their four their four one win. It was four one, wasn't it? I'm not done. A, it was four one. Usual. It was four one. Because I must admit, I then I then started having a slight more eye on the Atalanta one because it was slightly more exciting. But, <laughs> It'd be great yeah. if you told me these things earlier. <laughs> well, yeah. These, these are the beauty of having an argument with the wife and then she disappears upstairs <laughs> so you can put the second screen on. <laughs> but uh, less, less about my uh, private life. But um, yeah, um, Zielinski, everything seemed to be going through him. Um, sometimes I watch Napoli a, a little bit because he's Polish, so I sort of look out for the odd Polish player that's that's knocking around Syria. But you don't really notice him until he pulls a sort of, a, 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 you know, he's got, a, he's got a, a wonder goal in him, if you if we call it that. Um, but he was dictating play wonderfully well as well. And yeah, I think they'd be pretty happy going into the second half of the season if they can they can kick on and, and keep picking up decent they're not too, I say decent wins. They were dominant, convincing, and enough goals that they're not in the latter stages of matches thinking that an equaliser might come from the opposition. Kev okay, Napoli had thirty four shots. I don't know what I want you to do with that. I've just seen it and I'm amazed. That must be pushing some sort of record, right? 34 must be up there. That's not a normal uh, number of shots to have. Yeah, it'd be interesting how many are on target as well. But like I say, it was just, it was almost a jaw drop moment when Cali equalised. Like, oh, I didn't realise they had even entered the box. But yeah, actually, it was quite a scruffy goal, really, for Pedro just to sort of get out of his feet, avoid a, a player, and, and just hammer it home. Credit to Trao Pedro because, I mean, he just keeps scoring for Cagliari. He's a a phenomenon for them. It is one of those strange ones as to why he's still there when you just think about it in in football terms. Alistair, look, you've escaped it for long enough. You've not got any more time to to avoid this because Lazio played probably... If if we're taking an average of of Serie A over the last five years, the worst team that, that there has been in Serie A in Genoa... And it's you're lucky that Vito Dori is not here this week, let me tell you, because Lazio went one up through a Chiro Mobile penalty. I'm sure people will make jokes at your expense based on that alone. But then Mattia Destro, the giant killer, we could call him this season, after his brace against Milan, he scored against Lazio. And it's more dropped points. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Yep, um, it is. It's... I'm so sorry. Thanks, thanks for that beautiful recap. Hey, on the, on the plus uh, side, you thought they lost. So. <laughs> yeah, you got a point. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, look, I mean, we... Uh, I, I, this is actually my, my second podcast of the night because um, I, I was talking about this earlier as well and managed to thankfully get a lot of it off my chest then. So that's, I'm, I'm a bit in a better mood now. But yeah, it, it's very frustrating for a number of reasons. But chief of all of them really has been that there has been this idea that Lazio struggled from strength and depth and from playing every three, ga- uh, every three days this season. And this this match made a complete nonsense of that because you've got a pretty much full strength team who have just been on holiday for ten days, and like you say, they they can't get a result against one of the worst teams in the league. They are struggling really badly in an attacking sense. Uh, the way I put it earlier was that Chiro's now scored fourteen goals in his last fourteen games. So on that kind of form, you're essentially starting every match one nil up. But you're not, because their defence is so catastrophically bad that you're actually starting every game at 1-1. And it was the same again today. The Genoa goal was on a breakaway, but there were two Genoa players against four Lazio defenders, and they managed to walk all the way through them to score. So they're struggling to keep the ball out defensively. They cannot create any chances in an attacking sense. Luis Alberto is having a terrible season. Um, relying too much on Immobile and the big, big, big frustration for me has been that we we know they can do better because it's almost the opposite to Roma. They're they're performing well in the big matches. Um, the Milan game they really didn't deserve to lose, and for about seventy minutes of that match, were really really impressive. They beat Napoli 2-0 just before then. They've also got results against Inter, against Juve. They beat Borussia Dortmund. They've beaten Zenit. They've, they've been good when it counts, but it's just these smaller matches against teams they should be beating that they're really struggling with this year. And it, it's strange because, you know, that points to a mentality issue, I would suggest, but it, it's very frustrating because that that was their biggest strength last season and it's now become their biggest weakness. Um, so, yeah, it's... I, I think it's the, the, any idea of them getting back into the Champions League is is looking pretty uh, slim now, unless they win it. But <laughs> so we'll see. They've got it. an easy draw for the for the last sixteen anyway, so that will help. Exactly. That will help. But looking at the team, right? Because if you look at their their eleven who played against Genoa, if you if you take a Mobile, Sergei Milinkovic Savic, Luis Alberto, and a chair be out, it's not great. <laughs> if you take the five no, no, best no, no, no. players That's out of any team, how's it four, looking? <laughs> I would argue that most of the teams in Serie A's top half have more than four players who would get into any other team in Serie A. I mean, players like Marusic, Radu, Patrick, they wouldn't be getting into many of the sides in the top half of Serie A. Uh, not in current form, no. <laughs> um, look, I mean, there's... Nothing's changed there, though. You know, that team was still good enough to go 23 games unbeaten last season to be within a point of the top of the table before the lockdown. That's the same team. If anything, it's an improved team because they brought in a lot of players over the summer who are yet to really impress without selling anyone. So it's a a good enough team to do a hell of a lot better than they're doing. Um, It's just that... They're so predictable by now. That was what was so obvious today, was that Inzaghi always picks the same team, playing the same formation, playing the same football, and he's waiting for something to change. Um, He thinks, or he seems to think, that it's just a question of uh, bad luck. We've had injuries here, we've had a tough run of games, we've performed well in other games so far this season. But that's something that frustrates me a bit, is that 
he doesn't seem to be taking these kind of results as seriously as he should these kind of performances because they're they're not an anomaly they're they're a consistent uh, part of not just Lazio's season but Lazio ever since they came back from the break back in March um, and that needs addressed he when when his back's to the wall Inzaghi sticks absolutely relentlessly to his tried and trusted generals in the team and the issue now is that those are the guys who are letting him down. Um, Vedat Marici, for example, signed for €20 million Euros in the summer, has looked pretty bad ever since he's come in, ever since he's had a chance, but he's not going to get any better if he doesn't play. Andreas Pereira, who's on loan from Man United, has actually looked quite good when he's played, but Inzaghi refuses to ever put him in the starting lineup ahead of Alberto or Milinkovic. Um, and then, you know, Joaquin Correa's had a good season, actually, but he's constantly injured. So are half of the team, to be honest. But yeah, it's frustrating because it does feel like it's it's got to a point where he, you know, waiting for them to turn it around themselves might not work. Um, I feel like they might need some intervention, whether that's tactically or or with personnel to try and freshen things up. The issue is Lazio never sign players in January, um, and I, I I feel like this is the January they most need to. Uh, actually bring in some fresh blood but they won't. if you're looking at players who are available in january i mean someone we touched on briefly papu gomez would make a big big difference to that side surely is he not someone that they should just be looking to break the bank to sign because if reports are to be li- believed he could be signed for between 10 and 15 million yeah but th- th- that that doesn't sound like a lot to Claudio Lotito, <laughs> that's that's the third highest transfer uh, fee he would have ever spent. Asin. Marici was the, the joint highest play, highest fee he's ever spent. Atalanta have spent more money on transfer fees than the Lazio have. That's another play. In the last, I think it's 10 years, 5-10 years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Even the planes are rental. Yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> And, and so th- this is not, it, it's, it might seem in football terms like a, a good deal, but economically it's never something they're going to go for. They're not going to sign a 33-year-old for that fee. Um, and I think his wages are, what, two, two and a half million, which is among Lazio's, uh, you know, the top top end of Lazio's wage bill as well. So I agree. I think it would be an immense kind of short-term fix. But, you know... Inzaghi probably wouldn't play him because he'd have to drop someone. <laughs> Luis Alberto. And he's uh, about his wages. finances means it wouldn't happen. Look, yeah. I, I was kind of, I was so, trying to get you to talk about the ownership there by leading in that direction. But can we talk about the plane thing briefly? I mean, what is going on? You're a bit late with this one. Yeah, I know. But look, we've not had you on and... You're the best guy to talk to about this. So obviously, Lazio got a play and Luis Alberto wasn't happy. Luis Alberto got a slap on the wrist. But he was right. Um, well, Lazio haven't bought a plane. See, this is where I think a lot's gone wrong. Lazio have like entered into an agreement where they're able to borrow this plane off this Bulgarian airline for all their away games. And then they've got a paint job done to make it look like it's their plane. <laughs> so the the plane is still flying commercially. Um, that's and so it's actually quite a good business, quite a savvy business deal from my understanding of it, because it's costing them less, uh, I believe, to do it this way than it was to sort out private transport for every weekend before. But it's exactly the kind of thing that for some reason especially the Italian media, have absolutely latched onto as a kind of um, way of trying to laugh at them. And I do get it when you've got pictures of Claudio Lotito in the cockpit pretending to fly the plane. <laughs> you're, you're really kind of setting yourself up for that. Um, so it is quite funny. But I, I just think the whole thing's a bit overblown. And I, I, get, I can see where Alberto is coming from in the... If that was what how how he thought this was going, um, but there is no defence for a player going on Twitch and and slagging off uh, the ownership. I think that's pretty poor form, especially when the guys just had a massive contract boost last summer. Um, 
pretty poor. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. We didn't get what we wanted from you. I'm sorry to to let people down, but um, oh, Palmer Torino, Kev, Palmer got their first shot on target in the 68th minute through Roberto Inglese. They lost three 0 to the second worst team in the league, and they haven't scored a goal at home since a 93rd minute penalty against Spezia 70 days ago. Yeah, I'd be really concerned. Um, obviously, you're going back there to take up your allegiance as a sort of semi-Palmer follower, living. Uh, no, I'm not having living that. close I'm not, by. I'm not a Palmer. Um, I, I kind of, I, I, I turned over to this hopeful in about the 85th minute because Torino um, have got the worst record this year from from uh, being in leading positions. Yeah. And actually, I think that's not that's even outside of Serie A. I think that's the the, I think it's the top European five. Leagues. Yeah. Um, so I thought, oh, okay, this will be interesting because Palmer must be throwing the kitchen sink at them. And I, I don't know whether they were or not because I switched over just before um, Itso scored from the corner, and then at the end they were just allowed to walk through the Palmer defence and make it three 0 So it it kind of it looked like it flattered Torino ever so slightly, but. Just those statistics alone, without watching the games, you've got to wonder if you know we you you know you highlighted this before we came on here that Liverani even makes it to the midweek round with his job, um, and you'd be mad to keep him there. You know, this mm. is usually where Vito steps in and, and has a rant <laughs> about how bad Liverani he is. Yeah, um, and I couldn't do anything. Uh, that Vito would do justice, um, but he's he's just on borrowed. That's no, really bad. It's really bad, and it, a lot of the time when a new coach comes into a place, you can see what they're trying to do. But uh, I've said this on the podcast. I don't think Liverani knows what he's trying to do because when he came in, he had this idea of playing a four-three-one-two, and it very clearly didn't work because he doesn't have the players for it. And then he basically changed it to a 5-3-2 and then a 4-3-3 and then back to a 5-3-2 and then the president tweeted that they weren't going to play 5-3-2 anymore so then they didn't play that anymore and it's just an absolute disastrous appointment and there is a meeting scheduled for I believe the what day is today it's Sunday night so on Monday there is apparently going to be a meeting between the club's higher-ups to discuss his future there are some reports coming out of Parma now that Daversa who is still being paid by the club until the end of next season is going to come back um, in a very Italian move, but I, I just I don't see what Liverani what what the point is anymore because it's, he's not doing anything. Well, no, just let's just leave it. It's yeah, dead. I, dead. I want to see dead, like his Palmer career. <laughs> you you look like you wanted to say something, so I, I kind of let you back in. Elsewhere, I mean. Is there really that much else to talk about? Fiorentina, Bologna, nil-nil. Fiorentina just look like they're going to draw almost every game under Cesare Prandelli and hope that it's going to be good enough to keep them up. And then in the last game, Spezia lost at home, and really at home, to Verona 1-0. Kev, you're shaking your head. We, we, I'm, I'm not even sure we touched on Juve, have we? Do we have to? No. <laughs> well, you said one more game, that's all. I'm just being, I'm just being thorough. Can... Right, uh, Juve Udinese, is it really a game? <laughs> no, not really. The last 15 minutes weren't actually. Or, or, uh, about 75 minutes, I looked at the... I was just, just watching it, I thought, they've, they've both given up. Yeah, we, we had two goals <laughs> after that. Uh, I thought, wow, they've both given up as this, on this as a contest. It's interesting. Um, Pirlo dragged off Chiesa and Ramsey, who did really well. But mm. it, Juve kind of looked better than they have in recent weeks, but it was Udinese. Why did Cristiano? I thought. I thought. Sorry, I thought Juve dealt with that game really well. Actually, to be honest, I mean, I know it's Udinese at home, and you you might. <laughs> it's the kind of fixture you may usually have a glance at and say, "Well, okay, we know what's going to happen there." But Udinese were actually on a six-match unbeaten run before before uh, they lost to Benevento in the last round. They're they're not a bad team, you know. They can at least be a very difficult team to play against. And they beat Juve the last time they played them in July. And I just thought, you know, with 
what happened to Juve before Christmas when they, they lost those six points in one day with the Fiorentina result and the Napoli appeal at the same time? I did wonder how much that was going to rattle them because all of a sudden, you know, everyone's talking about this old school Inter, AC Milan and Juventus three-way title challenge and then they suddenly slide down to sixth place and it looks very different. But I, I thought, you know, they, they started a bit shaky tonight, but other than that, getting a 4-1 win after such a setback, you got to give them credit. Yeah, uh... At least it's, at it's the, the kind of game, of game that this. Cristiano Ronaldo is just going to win them, though, because he is going to make the difference in games like this. He did it time and again with Real Madrid, where they'd be playing Hitafe and doing nothing. And then all of a sudden, Ronaldo has two goals and it's game over. It was, it was kind of a case of that again. Yeah, they started really shaky, uh, like, like Alistair says, as they have in other weeks. And then it's usually been... They're, they're terrible then for the rest of the game. There was the sort of 10, 11 minutes in when uh, they had the goal disallowed Udinese, where you're actually thinking, oh, this could make it quite interesting because we're getting... And they kind of got... Well, it was a great decision under the, <laughs> the the current rules. You know, it shut their arm. Same with the Ramsey one that got disallowed, which again, I felt for him because he'd had such a good game. But after that point, after Udinese didn't take an early need, when Juve were kind of started really shaky, you thought this is going to be one where Ronaldo pops up one or two goals, sees it off, gets all his media attention and everybody goes away relatively happy. Right. Alistair, I'm not sure if, if you're aware, but we always end the podcast with with a game. Yeah. With the no, game. we don't play the game when it's not Vito. We're, we're playing the game, Kev. Um, oh. Alistair looks very happy about this, you know what? shockingly. I, I just, chuckle, chuckling to myself, because I was, I was thinking after you asked me earlier to come on, I, I just kind of remembered this game. And <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, I, I had this flashback to when I was in Bergamo for the Atalanta-Liverpool game and I was listening to your podcast and I was actually like shouting as I was listening, because I knew the name. <laughs> and I, I just thought, right, this is going to be a classic case of, I, th- I think I'm good at this, and then I actually try and do it, and I'll be terrible. <laughs> well, so I'm glad that you know the game. You don't need the rules explained to you. But um, who was the player when, when you were listening that time? Do you remember? It was, uh, I think it was Nikola Kalinic. Ah, okay. That was, oh, the, I think I won that week, actually, didn't I? Yeah, you won that one. Right. Which, if if I win today, I'm not sure we'll continue this game ever again. Because I, I'd quite fancy Alistair. So, Alistair, I'm not sure. I think, for now, we're, we'll have you as representing Vito, all right? If you become a bit more regular throughout the season, you can have your own points tally. Because, as it stands, nobody really knows the score anyway. So, I wouldn't worry too much about it. It's more <laughs> on a week-to-week basis. Um, so, I've I've narrowed it down to two players, basically. So... What I'm going to do is, Alistair, you can say player A or player B, and then that's the one I'm going to go with. So you can choose player A or player B. Uh, player A, please come. Okay, player A it is. And Alistair, because you're the guest, I'm going to let you go first, which just for the listeners, if you don't know this game, they will ask yes, no answer questions. If the answer is yes, they continue. If the answer is no, the other person takes over. And the aim of the game is to identify the identity. The ident- I shouldn't have said it like that. Of a mystery Serie A player. Alistair looks like he's feeling the pressure already. And we haven't even started. Uh, what I'll do is, because we've got a newcomer in the game, I'll extend the clock out to two and a half minutes from the usual two. Okay? But... We, we we don't want to be getting to two and a half minutes of this. So, Alistair. Can I ask you a question before we start? Do yes. I shout out the name as soon as I know it, or do you wait for your turn to then give your answer? Oh, you, you, it has to be your turn. It has to be okay. your turn. Okay. You have to ask it as a question. Yes. Well, right, I okay, mean, okay, yeah. Okay. Otherwise, it just sounds cocky, right? But anyway. You'll, I, be, fi- you'll be fine, Alistair. Don't worry. <laughs> What I, I'm, I, I trust you, Alistair. It doesn't look like you're Googling anything. So if, if that changes throughout this, I, I won't hesitate to call you out on it. So when you start your first question, Alistair, the timer will start. So when you're ready, please. 
Okay, does the home shirt of this player's oh club God. include <laughs> the colour blue? Uh, the home shirt of this player's club does include the colour blue, yes. So you can continue with your next question, please, Mr. McKenzie. Um, do they play for a club uh, north of Rome? They Look at this. He's taking this so seriously. He's taking notes. They... Do not play for a club north of Rome. <laughs> okay, they play for Napoli. They do not play for Napoli. Oh, God. Your turn, Alistair. It is your turn, Alistair. They um, play for Lazio. They do not play for Lazio. Just so you remember, we're very much using a, a, a loose categorization of geography. Um, and it's basically Tuscany is north of Rome. Everything else is south of Rome. Uh, okay. So back to you, please, Alistair. No, it's uh, not Alistair's uh, go. Alistair asked, yeah. was it Lazio? Kev, it's your turn. Uh, oh, um... <laughs> God. I'm thrown off by the colours scheme. We're, all, we're halfway go. through. Uh, is it Cagliari? They do play for Cagliari, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, are they a midfielder? They are not a midfielder, Alistair. Um, are they Italian? They are not Italian and they are not a midfielder, but they do play for Cagliari, Kev. Um, is it, uh, are they an attacker? They are not an attacker, oh, no. Alistair, over to you. 45 seconds. Are they a defender? It is a defender, yes. Congratulations. Continue. Um, uh, are they, did they used to play in the Premier League? They did used to play in the Premier League. You both should have it now, is Alistair. It Ragnar Klavan? It is Ragnar Klavan oh, with 26 seconds to go. It was close. Alistair, oh my God. it's a, it's a debut the heart, win. The How do you feel? Pumping. <laughs> um, you've taken uh, that very yeah. well. It's an absolute thrill ride from start to finish that. Uh, did you enjoy it? I did, yeah, absolutely. I'm happy with that. Because Kev hates it. I mean, and Kev hates it more than anybody in the world hates anything else. So I'm glad you did. Kev, how are you feeling to lose to a debutante? Uh, fine. I, I, I'm like Liverani. I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I've given up on the season. All right. There we go. Uh, we've reached the end of this podcast and possibly of Fabio Liverani. Not in life, just in, in Parma. But... Yeah, I, I should say there won't be a podcast in midweek because the timetable just doesn't really allow us to do one this week, unfortunately. Um, oh, Your timetable. Yeah, my timetable, and nobody else will host or edit the podcast, so that's all that really matters. Um, all things going to plan, I should be back in Italy on Thursday morning, so things will probably get a little bit normal, more normal from there, I say, just before the whole world probably goes into another lockdown, but who knows. Uh, Kev, thanks as always, I guess. Pleasure. Nice to be back. Um, Alistair, thank you very much for stepping in for Vito. It was nice to have you on the podcast. Hopefully we will be welcoming back Vito next week. And that is nothing against you, Alistair. We might kick Kev off and get you back. Anyway, everybody, thank you. Oh, before I wrap up, actually, we've got a giveaway over on Twitter. So if you head over to at Serie FFC, we've teamed up with Golazzo Pins, who make some really, really nice custom pins based on Serie A shirts from past and present. And they're quite nice. We've got a four-piece set to give away. So head over, retweet our tweet, follow us, and follow Golato Pins on Twitter to, to enter the competition. The um, deadline for that is next Sunday. We'll announce the winner in the podcast next week. So, Kev, remind me to do that, please. That's all. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Yo questa maglia sognavo da bambino Quando giocavo ancora col trenino, mio padre andava sempre al comunale, c'era il Torino, Torino da sognare. Granata è una seconda pelle, portarla è come un viaggio tra le stelle, lo so cos'è la storia e la leggenda, giochiamo noi, la fiamma non si è spenta. Canto la tua, e se 
questa squadra io sono il capitano Undici cuori tenuti per la mano Vincere sempre vincere con ardore Per il Torino, per il suo grande cuore È un'emozione che sempre mi attanaglia Sono del Toro e un grido mi accompagna Forza ragazzi vinciamo con onore Essere granato vuol dire fede e amore E ancora Toro è sempre Toro La Padova canta tutta in coro E ancora Toro è sempre Toro Il Toro è grande fa tremarle gambe E ancora Toro è sempre Toro Cantiamo noi cantiamo tutti in coro E ancora Toro è sempre Toro Il Toro è grande A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips Tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.